this is Sarah Mack and welcome to Creative Magic Club. Together, we'll discover inspirational stories of creative entrepreneurs living out their dreams, doing the work they are most passionate about, and building wealth in magical and fun ways. While building a six-figure income as a writer and coach, helping other women to launch their dream businesses, I've connected with so many incredible people and seen it proven again and again that you can thrive financially doing whatever it is you are passionate about. I'm here to share life-changing strategies for mindset, making money, and reaching more people with your work in a business and life filled with creativity, freedom, and fun. Hi everyone, welcome. I am very excited to introduce my guest today. We have Whitney Euland, who is a queer filmmaker and Jane of all trades, whose talents include acting, directing, writing, and producing. She also owns Abundant Artist Coaching, which is a mentorship and mindset coaching program for artists and creatives ready to create a full-time income from their artistic passions. Hi Whitney, uh, Whitney. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It is a delight to be here. So tell me a little bit about your story. I love, I was on your website. I've heard about your work before and I know everyone in my audience is just so going to resonate with your story and your work. So yeah, I want to hear like, obviously you started out trying to make it as an artist in New York and then like really, you know, had your season pass to the struggle bus and like it was not going well. And then you turned it all around and you created the success that, that you had envisioned in your own way. So I would love to hear, um, yeah, like really what it took for you to, to go from feeling like it's just not happening to starting to see some of the results that you'd always dreamed of creating. Yeah, well, thank you. That was a very generous intro. Um, I, yeah, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head. I had graduated, I had, you know, my BFA in musical theater was like ready to go move to New York and, about a hundred auditions in, I still had not booked anything. I mean, I was like on the hustle train, uh, like waking up at 4am, go sign up audition. Like, and it just, I wasn't booking anything. And I, and then, um, after about, it was like that, I, cause I remember I like made a post. I was like, it's a hundred auditions. Like, and I'm still going for it. And it had only been like, I don't know, six months. And the next day, my dad told me that he'd been diagnosed with leukemia and that he had a very short, um, time before he was going to pass. And so um, I immediately moved home and was fortunate enough to be able to take care of him until he did pass away. And then I had been there at home for long enough that I probably would have benefited mentally from staying there and continued to process and grieve. But it was like, I think like five days after his funeral, I was like, I've got to get back to New York. Like it's like, you know, it was just such a heavy place. And as you can imagine, my auditions didn't go well when I was in that place. And I was trying to keep up with that momentum. And it just like my mental and emotional health hit a complete rock bottom. And I remember literally crying one night in bed and just being like, I just want to be on set. Like all I want is to be to be acting to be doing what I love. And sure enough, the next day I get um, an email that I had been booked in something and there probably were a lot of red flags about it. Like the fact that I hadn't auditioned, but I was like, oh, you know, who cares? I, I booked something. 
And I go and I get there. Well, and then I find out that it's a student film. And I'm like, okay, no worries. I'm not above doing student work. I'm like, you know, Columbia has a great program, NYU, like all these programs I haven't even heard of. This one was, it was an art school that I hadn't heard of. And I'm like, that's great. I'm going to network. I'm not above this. I really just need something. And I get there and it's a high school student film. <laughs> and I was just like, oh no, oh no. And, um, I, and to make matters worse, I get there. And because these are, you know, 16 year olds, they hadn't read my full resume, didn't realize that I'm five foot 10. And I am like head, a full head taller than their male lead, which they were, which who was also probably 16. And they were just like, this is not going to work. And so they fired me from a high school film set. And I just was like, you know what, I didn't know that it could get worse. And yet here we are. Um, (laughs) And I think that was just the moment that I was like, okay, all of this hustle, all of this grinding and being in set, like, I cannot continue to make art from this place and I have nothing left to draw from. Um, and that, like, you know, I don't believe in coincidences, but as, as you know, we'll say as luck would have it, I heard this podcast and it was a, from a life coach, Brooke Casillo, and she just really taught about um, using your mindset to create results and how creating that foundation in your mental and emotional health is what enables you to go create results in your life. So um, it was so transformative for me. I ended up starting writing my own work, producing it, winning awards, getting um, signing with top agents, like being able, like, and even at the time I was, I had been working, I was making $12 an hour at a day job, like working shitty hours. And I like, it was like not in a safe place. So I had to take a cab there and back. I was leaving with like 12, like I had only made $12 by the time I paid for the cab and like my lunch there. Um, And it really changed my entire life. And I became so passionate about it. Like it just, it felt like I had a cure to cancer. It was how like, you know, passionate I became about it. And so I ended up uh, certifying as a life coach and building this practice. And I think people had, I had been in the community long enough that people just were able to see that something in me had shifted and that I was in a bad place. And now all of a sudden I was having results come to me and opportunities and money and things like that. And so uh, I was really able to just build my business on like word of mouth by people being like, there's something in the water that she's got. Um, And yeah, it's just, I I don't even remember your question. So I hope that I answered it, but um, that I guess has been my journey of, of really always, you know, we always think that we'll, that we will, we have goals, right? And we think that we'll feel a certain way once we hit that goal. We think I'll feel, you know, let's say financially dependent, or I'm sorry, financially supported. I'll feel um, successful. I'll feel, you know, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, you're wanting to hit a certain MRR in revenue, or you're trying to uh, like book a Broadway show, you think that getting there is what's going to make you feel successful. And the truth of it is, when you feel like something outside of you is going to give you those feelings, there's a part of you that's showing up from lack. And that is such a, it sounds woo woo, but it's like a repulsive energy. I mean, I think you kind of can imagine like if you're on a date with someone and they're all of your type, they they're super hot. They're, you know, they're attractive, they're successful, they're a good conversationalist and they have everything going for them. But then you leave the date and they start texting you like way too often, you're like, there's something funky going on here. And I think that we do that with our businesses or with our creative pursuits, uh, whatever they are, is we start to be that needy, graspy 
person and it the energy is just off and that's when you can see you know people that have it's like they have all of the business set up or they have the resume they have the the talent they have the training and yet something's not quite landing it's usually because you have this these blocks um that are kind of like invisible success blockers that are keeping you from creating the life and the goals and the career that you want so the work of it is always continuing to fill your own cup and continue to to believe that you're successful believe that you're you know, enough ahead of time and letting that create the results for you. Did I answer your question? I'm sorry. I just like word vomited so much. No, totally. And I love your story so much because you're just like living proof of really like what I, I preach, which is that having a coaching business is just like, I think the most supportive, um, like way to have an income to support a creative career because you are constantly working through those blocks like you say and just mindset and energy like emotional health like physical wellness and like it was I was my story was that I was working in on film crews and I was just like booking loads of work but I was looking at all the heads of department I was like that's just not where I want to be like I don't want to spend my whole life working on film crews And then I had a big burnout and I just knew I wanted to do something more creatively fulfilling and that I just, yeah, like randomly pivoted into starting out as a copywriter. And then I discovered the coaching industry because I was getting all these coaching clients. And then I launched my coaching business and that, you know, the vision behind my business was always to have an income that was fun, that was fulfilling, that was, you know, bringing me so much growth and so much support in the work and creating more and more time freedom for me to create. And so, you know, I finally got to that place now where I like recovered my health, I'm writing my book, I've been working on music projects. And I just think coaching is like the perfect, um, like collaborator for creatives. And there's so much crossover between performers and coaching. And when you have breakthroughs in one areas, you always start to see breakthroughs in in the other areas, even if you're not like directly working on them through your business as well. So I love, love, love that you're here to share this success story that like this gets to work. You can be have a thriving coaching business and you can have a thriving um, creative career at the same time. So I'm really curious, um, you know, in your work with artists, like this whole idea of like the struggling artist, right? Like you've lived it, like it's, you know, it, it is a trope and it's there for a reason. Why, like why, what are the biggest reasons why you see artists struggling with money? Um, and I know you've already like touched on it, but I would love to see like, what are some of the main trends um, that yeah. cause the struggling artist mentality? Yeah, so it's really comes down to three things. So the first one is that we have, our brains are wired for survival. So if you think about like humans, we've evolved from the ancestors of like cavemen, cave women, right? And um, their job was just to stay safe, right? Don't go out of your tribe, don't go out of the community, don't because then you would be susceptible to bears. If you get hurt, you're going to run out of water, like you're going to die, right? And so for our caveman ancestors, leaving and doing something on their own felt vulnerable and so our brain their brains would say like that will kill you do not do it well our brains have that exact same mechanism right and so and yet we're not actually in constant of threat of bears or lions or you know becoming dehydrated in the wilderness right but it the way that it manifests today is the the artists that i work with and, and artists who are struggling artists typically have not come from artists families right and so 
what happens is when you're creating work, you're creating what I call like, it's an, like, and I have a baby. So I'm, this is like me saying this, <laughs> you are, your art is your baby, right? Um, like my, I always say like my movie was my firstborn, my baby was my second. Um, and it's, so our, our, this, our art feels so vulnerable and to go out and put it into the world is the equivalent of a caveman leaving the cave, right? We're doing something that our family has not done. We're doing something that, um, you know, our society is like just every, I'm, I'm guessing that every single person who listens to your podcast had some point where they said, I want to be, you know, X, Y, and Z kind of artist. And someone said, oh, so you're going to be a waiter full time or made some joke about, but what's your, what's your backup plan? Or what are you really going to do? Right. And those things trigger our, like our literal survival mechanisms and convince us that we should not go after them. And so we create these invisible success blockers that that tell us and, and our brains also this is the fun thing is that oh as creatives we're so creative and anytime that your strength gets overused it becomes your biggest weakness and so we our brains find these really creative ways to sabotage us so instead of saying um and you know the easiest one is like oh well artists can't make money i thought that i had to make 12 dollars an hour because that's what i saw all of my artist friends doing and it wasn't until i had a friend who said oh i just got this job doing social media i have full benefit sixty thousand dollars a year that i was like wait that's possible for me right and so our brains just are going to look at what feels safe but our brains will also feel at any time and this is with anything that you want to do that's new your brain is going to tell you you're not good enough you can't you're it's going to be confused about how to do it it's going to get overwhelmed with the possibility and it's going to you know your our brains find really creative ways to just stop it and stop us from doing it so so we have this primal instinct second is the societal pressure of you know we are mavericks in society we're doing things that no one else is doing we're saying things i mean i'm terrified of my work going out in the world cuz my mom's going to hate it right like she's going to be like well i thought you swore too much and like shouldn't have you know whatever and those things affect us at a subconscious level um and then third is past pain right so anytime you've been rejected anytime that you have failed your brain is just compiling more and more evidence of why you can't have it and these things all happen at a subconscious level but they keep us stuck they keep us struggling and so the way that this really manifests in money uh, the thought that i see and i've worked with like over 150 artists and and it, it becomes such a thing that in my program we work on money mindset for an entire month of the program because it's such a thing for artists uh because we're just again we're told you're going to be poor or you're going to be a celebrity right and it's there's there's one or the other and there's no in between and the messaging that happens a lot is just this the the, the like most generalized way is like i'm bad with money right? Or artists can't make money. It's kind of this thought, this subconscious uh, belief that we have. And, and of course, we've built and, and so then what happens is when we have these stories, we build evidence for them. So when you have this thought, let's say, as I'm bad with money, you feel insecure or overwhelmed. And let's say you have a goal where you want to save or you want to invest or you want like in your brain, you're thinking, you know, I want to make or ask for more money from my clients or ask for, you know, higher day rates or whatever it is. But you have this, this programming of like, I'm bad at money, or I'm not worthy of it or something, and then you feel insecure, you feel overwhelmed. And from that place, we take actions that just perpetuate this thought that we're bad with money. So some of the things that I see specifically with money and with the inability to save are, um, a lot of the time when, when people are feeling insecure, what happens is we're trying to solve for that emotion. And we're trying to prove to ourselves that we are not bad with money. And, and so then by resisting it, we just go in the opposite direction. And so a lot of the time we'll oversave. So something that I see a lot is like, especially clients who have credit card debt, it's they're like, I'm bad with money, but it's because I have this debt. So I'm going to overpay the debt. 
And then by the end of the month, they don't have enough money. So they have to charge their card again, right? It's these like these reactionary things or, you know, avoiding looking at statements. So that's something I see a lot or just avoiding making the small, simple changes because they think that they need to overhaul everything, right? Instead of just looking at a budget or looking at the trends and saying like, what are some little ways that I can cut back? Like, what are things I don't value? Um, we're making, a, we're making financial decisions from our emotions, which are all coming from these thoughts of I'm bad with this. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and all of those actions are what create the result of being kind of bad at money. Right. And so then it just becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy and it becomes this loop where then we have more and more evidence from it. And we just like really start to believe it and internalize it. And over time, it really can take a toll on your self-worth and, um, on like, everything like and then you know debt grows and you just feel terrible and you know all the things so that that's how (laughs) it's a lot there's a lot going on there right and it takes work you know I can speak from experience like I've been (laughs) working on this for a really fucking long time and I'm still doing the work and like it works you know it works the small the small improvements add up and then you're like oh like my stress levels are like in a whole other place my my financial reality is in a whole other place than it was like a year ago two years ago so thank you for sharing there were so many great nuggets of wisdom in there I would love to know like what what come to mind for you for some of those breakthrough moments where you know like you recognize there was like an unconscious fear of rejection and then you like actually went through rejection and it was like really freaking painful or you know like some of those moments where those patterns were broken for you was there anything that stands out yeah um I mean, I'm a little bit of a, a, like, I guess the way that I like to think about it is I, I am not a huge fan of like, feel like, feel the fear and like go all in on it anyway. Like, you know, uh, kind of that, what's that word for it? Like, um, the therapy exposure therapy to fear, I think obviously works, but I'm just like a weenie about it. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of creating the safety so that the fear doesn't seem as manageable right and or doesn't or feels manageable and um I'm trying to think you know I could use this example from yesterday I'm working on uh getting new representation and had this whole I'm overwhelmed I I don't know what I'm doing you know this is you know all the imposter syndrome things and the first thing is just to kind of notice those fears but then the second thing that that I help or that helps me in, instead of just being like, well, I'm just going to send the emails anyway, but instead to stop and give myself compassion for those fears and tell myself like, yeah, this makes sense. This is really vulnerable. Like this is scary. It makes sense. You've been, you've been dropped before. You've had bad experiences with agents. Like it makes sense that this is hard and scary for you. And then just to process that fear, right? Like coming and tuning into your body and like making peace with it in your nervous system. For me, that is what helps the most so that it's, it's not like I'm like gaslighting myself and being like, take action anyway. It's like, no, let's, sh- let's, let's create safety in our own body so that we feel safe enough to keep taking risks over and over. And so by doing that work, you know, and it took, you know, half the day or more to like sit with it and process it and give myself compassion. And then once I got to a place where I was like, okay, I'm feeling good, you know, then I was able to like write the emails or whatever. And I think it happens the same you know, any, anything new and anything scary that you're doing, if it's, you know, making investments in, I'm sure like, you know, you know, hiring you as a coach and making those kinds of investments, things like that. It's scary. And I think by giving yourself the compassion for that and processing that it, it can give you like a softer place to land that makes it easier to take actions advocating for what you want. Right. 
Yeah, and I think I think that's really true. That's true for me, and I think so many creators who are just like highly sensitive people. It's like you're not. We're not going to do the push through. It's either going to be like resistance and procrastination, like or compassion, or you know. Otherwise, it just it doesn't totally. get done unless you, we really care for ourselves in that way. Because we'll just, you know, I've had like visibility fear has been a big one for me. Like reject fear of rejection. It's Same. like one of my core things. And I'll literally have things on my to-do list for like years and not even be cognizant that I'm in resistance around it. You know, like it took me two years to get my first website up and then starting to do like press outreach and things like that. Like I will have things on my to-do list and then it'll just fall off and I'll just be like, oh yeah, like I, I just don't want to, that's just not the strategy for me or whatever. And then it'll come back around and be like, oh, you're just like really freaking scared. And that's why you didn't do it. Well, and I love what you were saying, like how you're like, yeah, this is kind of my thing, right? Is I'm guessing that you had different levels of that resistance, right? First is the website and then it's the press, right? For me, it's like mint with ads. That's been a huge thing that I'm like, well, I'm just like, these people are just internet trolls. Like, I don't want them to say, you know, or whatever it is. And I think having these tools that you, you know, or that we're talking about is what helps you continue to make to like heal internally, which helps you then to create bigger and bigger impact and bigger and bigger results. Because I think, I bet, I bet you've seen this a lot also with like artists and creatives. It's like the thing that we're, we're opening ourselves up to visibility. And that's like such a vulnerable thing for us, like probably more than other people. I don't know. No, totally. And I think it's really important because sometimes when you do this exercise, right. And it's like, well, what are you afraid of? And then you name all of the fears. And then it's like, is that, what is the likelihood of that going to happen? And some of them it's like, that's probably never going to happen. But you know, genuinely we're like, you know, which is reincarnated. Like the messages that we're bringing are going to trigger people. Some people aren't going to like it. Some people actually may judge and attack us. And that's, that's a reality that we're stepping into with our work when we are working to shift the narratives around things and, you know, deconstruct power structures. And there are people who aren't going to like what it is that we have to share. And so I think it's really important, like you say, to name that and to have compassion for that process and most importantly, build support around it, which is why, you know, having really strong communities, people who get what you're going through, people to fall back on so that you can process these things, you know, if the scenario does unfold. Totally. Well, and I love, like, I think it's so helpful for people to hear, you know, you talking about that as someone who is successful and just saying like, like, it's just, it's so helpful to have that normalized and to have people that can hold space for that. And, you know, who can, who just being able to see that, oh, I'm not crazy for going through, for being afraid of this. Like, cause I feel like sometimes I'm talking to my husband, he's like, it's just a YouTube video, just put it out there. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I've been bullied before on the internet. Like that's, it's like a scary thing for me. And so um, to be around and in community with people that understand that I think is such a gift. Yes, I love this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Please tell everybody like, what are you working on at the moment? Where can people find you and find out more about your work? Yeah, uh, best place to find me is at Whitney Ulan just on Instagram. It's kind of where I keep all the, you know, all the links. But um, I have my uh, feature film, The Cosmos Sisters, releases on December 20th. It's a it's an independent dark comedy um, that I wrote, directed and starred in. And my coaching program, Abundant Artist Coaching, you can also find out about um, on my Instagram. Amazing. Congrats on your film. That sounds epic. I can't wait to see it. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Bye. For more inspirational content, head over to my website withsaramack.com and please support the show by liking, commenting, and subscribing.